It's a brand new day, and we're putting the AM in American politics. We've seen the darkness of division and despair and are now jumping into the light of a bright path forward. Progress is here, and we're sharing its story with you, for you, all with the help of Signal Boost. Now, here are your hosts, Zerlina Maxwell and Jess McIntosh. Para pasear este país nublado, este país nublado. Welcome back to Signal Boost. I'm Zerlina Maxwell. It is 8 o'clock on the East Coast, and it is Monday, October the 4th. We're in October, and we're doing it. It's raining in New York, but it's not raining here, so we're doing uh, much better. Joining us on the phone is Arlene. Hold on a second. Let me pull it up. It's Professor, it. Arlene, Professor Arlene Davila, Davila um, of the Latinx Project. And we're going to talk to her this morning um, about the, the Latinx Project at NYU and Professor of Anthropology and Social Cultural Analysis. And she's here to discuss the Latinx Project's work and Latinx art. Um, good morning. I'm so sorry. I just didn't have my <laughs> the right thing <laughs> open <laughs> for the introduction, but I apologize for that. Good morning. How are you doing this morning? Good morning. Glad to be here. We're We're excited to talk to you. This is, um, I haven't seen anything of this scale or scope before, especially as we get into Hispanic Heritage Month and, you know, people are looking for resources and looking for ways to find Latinx voices in art and culture. Like this seems, is is this unprecedented in scope in terms of, of compiling all of those things in one place? Um, I would say yes. And uh, first of all, I want to thank you for the opportunity to talk about what we do. Um, It is rare, right? It's a great opportunity. People do not know that Latinx studies and Latinx spaces are so scarce in the -hmm. the American university landscape. Um, One of the reasons is that um, people confuse Latinx with Latin American art or Latin American studies. And as we know, most universities, many universities have vibrant Latin American studies departments, centers, institutes, but Latinx studies, which as we know is part of the ethnic studies movement and it's over 50 years old, um, has had great difficulty carving spaces, not only in in universities, but uh, everywhere else, right? Um, So that's what this project is about. It's about carving a space that is specifically focused on Latinx art, culture, activism, um, and and scholarship, and from where we can begin to carve the incredible diversity of this field and give it some due and attention on its Mm -hmm. own, and also in collaboration with other spaces and centers, but also uh, ensure that that the Latinx conversation uh, takes center, uh, take, take, takes a center space in this conversation. So this is a, so this includes scholars and artists who are American by birth and Latinx by heritage, as well as people who are from Latin America themselves. Well, Latinx, it's an American identity category, as we know. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. it's, it's what people would say, Latino, Latina, um, Hispanic, all those labels, right? Um, Latinx refers to a U.S. experience, right? 
Um, so indeed, yes, these are uh, all the artists that you know, and, and scholars and scholars. And because we're at NYU, it's a university space. We do um, not only service artists, but also our community of scholars. We have book talks, we have events. We're trying to, I, I describe the space as a public facing um, space to communicate the vibrant Latinx studies scholarship to communities and make it relevant and um, and uh, translated to wider publics because all of our programming is open to the public. Um, so it's not limited to just scholars and, and professors uh, who oftentimes are the ones that lead the conversation in the programs. In the context of politics, we often talk about um, Latinx or Latino identity um, in terms of voting patterns. And one of the lines that we always say is like, um, you know, the Latino vote is not a monolith or the Latinx vote is not a monolith or however you, whatever label you, you place um, that's said. And I assume the art <laughs> um, and <laughs> the man- manifestations of the culture in other ways are also um, not monolithic. In in what ways um, can we better understand um, the art that is the product of these, you know, divergent set of experiences um, you know, like what, what kind of art, what's the spectrum? Um, because I think it's, it's cool to sort of take a moment to not talk about this identity um, in the context of voting and politics. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's such a great point. And that's actually exactly one of the driving forces for places like the Latinx Project, because in the American public sphere, we're so used to talk, well, we're getting more used to talking about Latinx people as consumers or as uh, voters, right? And re- realizing that they're not a monolith. But uh, if you think about the conversation in the public conversation, it's really primarily about Latinx people as either um, immigrants or um, consumers or voters. Um, and then, of course, there's all of this other range of stereotypes, right, Cram, you know, that have to do with, you know, but the pathologization of this identity for, for decades, right? So, but, but we don't think about Latinx creativity, Latinx art, Latinx scholarship, uh, because we have so few spaces that really um, lift it and that show it. So that's basically what we're doing. And, and there's really not one way to answer your question because in the three years we've been, um, um, have been organizing events and shows and exhibitions, you will see that there's such a range. We had one exhibition that really looks at how Latinx artists are, are responding to issues of gentrification and displacement in their communities. And that really had a lot of Bronx-based artists. Hmm. Um, but then we had Afro uh, Syncretique examining um, Latinx artists exploring their African roots and African legacy in their everyday. Um, then we had Cruising the Horizon exploring issues of queer futurity. Futurity. Um, and now we have an exhibition about comics and illustrators and femme illustrators, which are oftentimes, you know, um, as we know, people of color in the illustrator and comic industry are very rare or don't have the visibility that they deserve. So we're constantly trying to trouble, right? So that there's not one thing or one um, idea or one representation, but that we that, that we explore the range. Um, I'm very proud of the critical indigeneities programming that we also do. We have a forum coming up. Um, so yeah, there's just a lot to explore and there's a lot more work to do. No, and it sounds, it, I mean, it sounds absolutely fascinating. The diversity of the Latinx experience is one of the things that like 
excites me the most. Like you'll never get to the end of it. You can never consume all of it. You can never understand every perspective. And that's such a good way to sort of view how America wants to be all of these different perspectives coming together and offering their different ways of moving throughout the world and the art that they create and the, the knowledge that they put in, like being able to celebrate all of the different variables that, that, you know, lead up to that. I think that's sort of the only way forward culturally. My, my question is a little bit about academia because mm -hmm. you often find these spaces where you can really do deep dives into what a certain part of the world has brought to, you know, whatever it is that you're studying, but it happens in this sort of academic bubble. Like I, you know, I, I was, I was exposed to all kinds of stuff at my time at NYU and it was, mm -hmm. it was really, you know, it, 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 you know, exploded my mind open in, in many different ways, but it felt like it was very, it happened at college. It happened in NYU. It was not a conversation with the larger population. It was a conversation between professors and the students who were in that room. This feels like this is not in an insulated academic bubble at all. This is meant to be enjoyed within a, you know, digitally and within a city that is, you know, we, we New Yorkers celebrate the Latinx population, you know, probably as much as any other major city does. This feels like it's supposed to be porous. It's supposed to be a conversation between academic world and everybody else. And did you did you think about that when you were when you were setting it up, when you decided to sort of make these spaces available to the general public? Like, what were the conversations about that? Absolutely. And, you know, it's wonderful to hear you say that because that's exactly what we strive for. Um, and the answer is yes. But also uh, we won't take the credit ourselves. I think that right now in academia, there's a very vibrant and substantive conversation about the importance of public humanities and public facing conversations. And that means that. Uh, especially in the humanities, we are very aware that exactly that, 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 that we cannot be yeah, within the context of universities, our knowledge and what we're, uh, uh, and, and this scholarship needs to be public and needs to be relevant and needs to be consumed. And uh, thanks to social media, Twitter, Instagram, uh, that conversation is increasingly being public. And how wonderful is that, that we don't, people don't have to pay the subscription to a peer journal or follow conversation or buy a book necessarily to, to, to not, to, to, to be exposed to ideas and to be exposed to conversations. Um, so indeed, I, I, I think that more and more we're seeing that trend, um, at least in the spaces that are carving interdisciplinary spaces and conversations and the spaces where we, uh, that, that inspire our work. Um, so indeed, we're part of a larger movement in academia. Perhaps uh, we don't see that as often, and I'm sorry that you didn't get to see that much when you were a student, but I can assure you that that's uh, where we're certainly going and where I see academia moving to towards in the future. So one of the things that comes up too, in terms of um, you know exposing yourself to different types of art and creative um, art uh, from Latinx um, artists, is the fact that another aspect of art like TV film, um, you know, we were TV obsessed on this show. We watch a lot of TV. Full, full disclosure. <laughs> um, and then it became part, right? And in some instances, <laughs> yeah. it became part of our job because we get to watch things and then interview the people in those things. And so then I feel like I've won the lottery because I've 
Been I have to watch TV for work. TV, my yeah. job. It's super cool. Um, try it, everyone. Um, but one of the things that it comes becomes super clear, especially when they put out the data of who is making stuff, like who you Correct. know whose scripts are being made, who's directing things. It's always like one percent. I mean, it's one percent representation. Yeah. Can you talk about how why it's so important? Not just that, you know, the people in the art um, are um, of a variety of identities, but the people that are actually coming up with the ideas and making the art, creating the art from the inception. Absolutely. Um, and also, you know, I think important. your question uh, really is very important because it highlights that creativity involves uh, publishing, writing, creating film, media, theater, movies, everything, yep. right? Yep. And, uh, and that's exactly what you don't see, Latinx voices. Um, last week, we had a great event, Streaming Culture, highlighting that disparity. Um, look at Netflix. You will get a lot of content imported from Latin America, from Spain, so few Latinx productions. Mm -hmm. And one of the uh, participants shared a statistic that basically um, really underscored there's like zero uh, Latinx producers. And I, I, I feel that... Um, I feel that that's exactly why you need Latinx studies more than ever in universities, because America needs to be educated of the centrality of Latinx culture as American culture, period. We're talking mm -hmm. about a demographic that is growing. It's about 20% now, according to latest figures. So it, it's not only about Latinx students learning their history and being educated and about the decolonial trends that, that universities need to really undergo, but it's really about anyone, uh, future, um, whether you, future museum directors, journalists of all types, um, uh, anybody who's going to be um, making decisions in any industry of all backgrounds need to be educated about Latinx um, content, creativity, studies, scholarship, and history. So I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm really wondering, I'm, I, I think scholarship is at the root of all these um, gaps that we're seeing in all these industries because it's kind of a recurrent problem that we don't see improving anywhere. And it goes back to the incredible invisibility, the ignorance that gets reproduced generation after generation and then ends up uh, ends, ends up reproducing the invisibility of Latinx people in all industries to the point that people are not seeing. How, how, how is it possible, right, that, that anyone that is behind any producing does not think, hey, where are the Latinx people in this in this room? Right. Right. People are not asking that question consistently mm -hmm. um, and also uh, hiring uh, creative talents. Um, I mean, I yeah. could go on and on about one of the things that we that 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 is obvious is that there's not a lack of talent in the Latinx community. Um, there's Certainly. a lot of uh, gatekeeping and people do not know this community. So, you know, as we know, um, they don't hire our communities oftentimes because they don't know us, but we're here. And what the Latinx project is trying to do is, is ensure that people, at least in the context of visual arts, we have an artist index um, where we uh, increasingly write everyone who writes with us uh, or works with us ends up being in that index so people can find them. Uh, to answer that question of where are the Latinx creatives, uh, we're everywhere, really. <laughs> yes, yes, and obviously need to be in many more spaces. It's it. I mean, it seems it seems odd, especially to be talking about it in terms of visual arts, to to talk mm -hmm. about the invisibility of Latinx creators when you have Picasso 
like Frida Kahlo. And like there are so many pillars of like our understanding of the canon of visual yes, arts but, that but are yes. undeniably Latinx. Except and, except that they're not. I mean, Picasso is, Sp- is Spaniard Spanish. and Frida Kahlo is Mexicana. Mexican. So we're talking about U.S. Latinx, right? And that's exactly the point, you know, that when people think of Latinx creativity, they think about it beyond the United States borders. And they and that's, you know, think about Latin American. And, and it's, that's exactly, you, you nail it to the point, so right? What, what the, goes wrong? Like, what goes wrong between the understanding of the, the genius as long as it's in another country? And then, like, why doesn't that cross the finish line to look at Latinx creators here? Because we haven't had uh, spaces uh, to educate our American um, uh, population of Latinx history, culture, scholarship. Ugh. We don't. Yeah. So, uh, my, I mean, my students in my introductory Latinx studies classes um, uh, marvel at how little Latinx history they get taught at schools prior to coming to university settings. And so, so yeah, there's the public imagination, right? So people know about Frida Kahlo in Mexico but they do not know about the artists in their own communities. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's exactly at the root of the racialization of Latinx people as forever foreigners, because mm. we are not really enrichedly um, um, educated right, about the history of Latinx people all around us. Yeah. I, I wanted thing. to ask about the, the tie-in to activism, because it, it like, just, just, I mean, and obviously everybody should spend some time on this website because it is absolutely gorgeous, the latinxproject.nyu.edu. But just spending some time on that website and looking at the representations of the art that you have, there's so much that is tied to activism. There is so much that is tied to social movement. It's sort of, it's almost the opposite of the way that, that we tend to view art as like this fixed point in time that like doesn't have current commentary unless it was made yesterday. Can you talk a little bit about putting together this entire project and and how much how much you wanted how much social commentary did you want to be in it and was that a surprising theme that you were able to pull out from all of the different diversity of creators I, that you were looking at? You know, I like to I like to think that or all art is political in one way or another. We mm-hmm. just don't tend to think that way. I think the past couple of years there's been more more awareness of this in relationship to uh, Black Lives Matter movement, the reckoning in museums and and how uh, white the art world is. All that has really brought attention, you know, the discussion around monuments, right? I don't think we can think of any representation as being isolated from politics. but when, but you're right that when you look at our, our Latinx, um, the, the past exhibitions we have done, they have all had a, have a very strong um, argument or a strong position, like the Afro-Latinx um, Afrosyncratic, right? How wonderful it was to have an exhibition of Afro-Latinx um, artists, um, um, to making that that conversation about the value of African culture in you know in every day, from food, from music, from spirituality. Um, but I, I think that that I don't think that's something that we that I think that that is not only represented in regards to the work, the artists we work with. I think we're at a moment where artists are leading the conversation about issues of social justice, anti-racism. Um, when you look at um, African American artists, are doing that conversation too. So I think it's kind of the moment more than specific to our project, right? We're part of a larger conversation and how wonderful that we're being enriched by this very vibrant conversation about diversifying the art world. I mean, I think like diversifying every single 
part of our society. And <laughs> that's part of the goal, correct. right? I mean, I, correct. I think, correct. I think it should be our goal. I think too, I mean, oftentimes I, when, when you said earlier, you know, when you go into a room or, and you're like, why is there no Latinx representation here? I mean, I've sort of said that same line, um, you know, mm-hmm. about black representation mm-hmm. or, or even women, um, broadly, um, because I, I, I often wonder if you are in a room and you're, um, you're, you're a white guy and, and you're noticing, I want you to notice, but in, and you're looking around and you're like, there is no representation mm-hmm. that doesn't look exactly like me. Yeah, I mean, like yeah, even dress yeah. the same in some instances, I, I want people to like wonder why that is. I mean, do you Absolutely. get questions from students about how this happens, like how it's still happening in 2021? I mean, the, the other conversation that I think it's important, I don't, want, I don't want to end without mentioning, is that when we think about Latinx, we have to remember Latinx is not a race, it's an ethnicity, correct? Mm-hmm. We right. are, we have uh, Black Latinx, Indigenous Latinx, Asian yeah. Latinx. So what's exciting also about projects like the Latinx Project is that they begin to also bring that question not only to white spaces, right? Where are the Latinx people here, but also in what we think of as Latino, Latino, Hispanic and Latinx spaces, where historically also what you have is light skin and white Latinos representing, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So I think that it's so important to have the Latinx, the Latinx spaces to begin to highlight that this is just, the issues of representation affect all of our spaces, not only white spaces, but also Latinx spaces. And I'm, I've always been very critical of Spanish language media and Hispanic and Latino mm. media because they're the first culprits, right? And need to also be asking the questions about who is in this room and, 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 and engage with the whiteness that oftentimes is reproduced in, in Latino-only spaces too. So mm. the, the conversation around um, colorism in our communities is important. Racism in our community is important in all communities. So this is, all of us have to be doing this work, right, Hannah? So, um, so yes. I think, so you get to work with young people. You get to have these conversations with, with people who are probably younger than we usually, we usually get to, to, to talk to. Does that give you optimism for where things are going? Like, do they do they grasp? I mean, you just laid out some pretty important concepts about the the various spaces where these issues play out. Do the kids get this on a more innate level than we did at that age? Like, are they more receptive to these kinds of ideas? I think students are the future and they make me and all of us, they should make all of us uh, very hopeful. Um, because they, they do. And not only that, they have a more open uh, mind about um, um, about um, social media, right, and communicating. They're very, they have so many skills, my goodness. I'm at all at them every single day. Um, but I, 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 I'm also saddened that they, that they have so little information about their own culture and history when they you know, in, in growing up, right? So imagine if these kids were also taught uh, Latinx studies, ethnic studies in their high schools, in mm. secondary education. They, yes. they would come with us with like, you know, some some sometimes they feel a little bit like they they feel a little bit cheated. Like, wait, why was I? Why didn't I know about Latin American history? Why didn't I know about U.S. involvement in Latin America? There's so many gaps, right? Um, but they absolutely come with a more um, uh, optimistic uh, perspective and with less of the uh, isms, right? 
that I think we're trying to struggle as adults. Yeah. Yeah. There's absolutely no reason for this to be something that one first encounters in college. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there is no, there is no reason why we should not be celebrating all of this, uh, all of this amazing content that comes in so many different mediums, like from kindergarten up. So I want to thank you for putting this incredible project together and and bringing it to the world and and not just your students. So Professor Arlene Davila, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Thank you for the opportunity to uplift the work we do. It's a team effort. And uh, (laughs) thank you so much for for the opportunity to to share it with the world. Now, and everyone check out latinxproject.nyu.edu. It's going to be, it'll be the best thing you do today. I promise. (laughs) (laughs) thank you we'll be back tomorrow with another signal boost podcast thanks for listening 